everybody. It's Kathy McNally with Take the Mic Podcast, the podcast that puts the spotlight on women who are out there speaking. Today's guest has a great story about something I haven't heard someone been able to do before, and that is speak with a gospel choir behind them. Yes, as a speaker. So my guest, Tanya Nesselucent, is going to be talking about that fun experience and also her intensive work as candidate for state rep in the 1st Hampshire District of Massachusetts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Take the Mic. My guest today is Tanya Nesluson, and Tanya is a candidate for state office in Massachusetts. She'll tell us about that in a minute. But she has an interesting experience that she wants to talk about, a really uh, standout speaking experience for her. So welcome, Tanya, and tell us about uh, the standout dramatic speaking experience you had recently. Uh, thank you. Um, actually, the most standout performance that I've had with public speaking recently uh, was about a year ago. I was fortunate enough to be able to um, be a part of a panel discussion uh, that was a part of Antigone in Ferguson, um, which was an adaptation of the Greek tragedy Antigone um, that they brought together um, to have discussions on race and policing in the United States. And it was just a fabulous experience because, quite frankly, one of my struggles with public speaking is what do you do in that moment where you have a scripted, where you have something scripted to say and you get interrupted? And uh, it was such a hurdle and a blessing um, to work through that with a gospel choir behind me, um, <laughs> cheering me on when I got it right. Um, and kind of, you know, learning to kind of follow follow their cues in terms of figuring out which direction was working within the context yeah. of the discussion. You mean you actually had some gospel choir that was in the background of the speakers that would do some stuff? Yes. <laughs> um, so Antigone and Ferguson, it's um, they take the they take the Greek tragedy and then they kind of updated it with a gospel choir performing the part of the choir. Um, so when we were giving the panel discussion, um, as as gospel choirs are wont to do, they would actually chime in um, where they felt where they felt appropriate to kind of you know enforce reinforce the message, which was just absolutely amazing. Oh my gosh! Now we should all have that, right, Tanya? Oh my gosh! We should. All we have absolutely should. <laughs> so then, that must have made your follow your other speaking gigs feel a little bit like, "Hey, where's my Greek chorus?" Right? It really did. I, it really did because honestly, if I could travel with a with a you know pack of cheerleaders at all times, it would it would really be beneficial in those moments when. I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a good experience in terms of looking for the cues in the audience, too. Yeah, right, because they help you. Because So I guess it feels good to have the sort of the cheerleading or support of a great choir or anything, because what is it about speaking that you're sort of alone up there, right? And you, you don't always know how it's going. Is, is that what your experience is? I think, I mean, I think it's, I think, yes, it can be that way. Um, I prefer mm -hmm. to think of public speaking as a dialogue rather than yeah. a monologue. 
Um, When I go out to give a speech, I might have bullet points in my head about what I want to talk to the audience about. Yeah. But truly, with their nonverbal and verbal cues, it kind of steers the direction in which the speech takes shape. Yeah. Um, at the yeah. end of a at the end of a speech, my it's always my intention for everyone to feel good walking out of that room. Yeah. You're not going to please all the people all the time. Right. And I'm right. not saying that I would change my message. However, knowing which points are really connecting with the audience and knowing how to turn it from a monologue where you're just reading off of a piece of paper to a dialogue in which you really are engaging members of the audience with eye contact and, you know, head gestures and, you know, a little vocalization, I think really pulls it and makes it more of a dialogue. Yeah, Tanya, because it really is a dialogue, only when you're speaking, you're usually doing more of the speaking, but in the audience's head, they are talking to you, right? It may be silent, and it's great if you can hear or get a sense of what they're saying and how they're responding. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and sometimes, and sometimes it's the it, sometimes it's the cues from the people who you can tell are biting their lip and they're about to jump out of their seat and say something. Where if you right, can catch right. that in the right moment, catch where they're bristling, you can turn yeah, it around. Yeah. Right, right. Well, it sounds like you're a very comfortable speaker, and we'll hear more about that, but why don't you tell us where you're calling from and what you're running for? Uh, I'm calling from Sturbridge, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm running for state representative in the 1st Hamden District, and 1st Hamden District is basically Sturbridge out west through Ware and Palmer and Warren and uh, Holland and Wales and, you know, the pure central part of Massachusetts. Oh, I see. Now, is this your first race, Tanya? This is. This is my first race yeah. as a candidate, I should say, because I have campaigned for other people before. Um, okay. So, I, you know, so campaigning itself isn't new to me. Um, but I will say, and it does, and it is a big difference in terms of speaking, um, being a candidate and advocating for yourself while you're speaking is a completely different experience than you know other other speeches that I've given. Yeah. So how so? What's what's the difference for you? Well, for one thing, when you are speaking, because I have a lot of activism in my background and I also yeah. have some theater and some improv theater in my background. Uh-huh. So those people are always coming out because they know what the message is and they're a receptive audience. Uh-huh. Going out as a candidate, most of the time you are going into a group of people who are receptive, but not necessarily on board. So you're yeah. so right. instead of speaking to a choir, so to speak, you're actually yeah. speaking to people and you're trying to convince them and you're trying yeah. to sell yourself to them. And in selling yourself, yeah. I think, especially as women, you know, we're inclined to, you know, feel like we're bragging or, you know, you want to be humble or play down certain parts of yourself. And you really have to get away from that and get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Um, And I had some struggles even, you know, in the beginning, even talking about my family, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, nothing bad about my family, but just things like, you know, I was hesitant to 
talk about, you know, my son because of his, because, you know, he's in high school and I thought he deserved privacy and, you know, or my wife because I didn't want to necessarily bring her into it. Mm -hmm. But really, when it comes down to it, these people need to know who I am, not just as a legislator and as a candidate, but also as a human being. Yeah, right, right. So how do you do that? How did you work that out? I, that's an interesting question. I hadn't really thought so much about that before. Now, do you mention your son and your wife? I do, and I, I, I yeah. and I really, have, and I really feel that, you know, where I came from, who my family is, is a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, the the fact that you know I come from a military family has shaped how I view the world. The fact that you know, I was a single mom for the majority of my son's life has changed how I identify with people and I view the world. And that's important for people to understand. Um, It's important for people to understand the ways in which I'm relatable. And it's important for me to be open and and vulnerable with my constituents. Yeah. So, and that's kind of a, a, thing now that we we don't we're not so used to politicians and candidates being vulnerable and being that authentic but I think it's an issue that a concern uh, or a value that's coming up with women as candidates that women are encouraged to show up as candidates as they are and not as some kind of candidate robot right that's created in a central location and then distributed do you find that well I, I find that in general, that's just what has been expected of women. Um, yeah. Because even in the workplace, you know, a woman, you know, is expected to, it, it's not, it's not just enough to be a parent and have a child. You know, people are always yeah. looking to see, okay, well, what happens when your child has a sick day? Are you taking the day off? Um, are you there for them? Are you still able to manage that in your work? It, Women, I think, are expected to kind of be, you know, multitasking Wonder Women in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that expectation historically has been put on men in, this, in quite the same way. Um, right. When men are, you know, interviewing for a job, nobody notices whether, you know, whether or not they took <laughs> paternity leave when, or how much they took when their child was born. Um, Absolutely. But I think, <laughs> the question arises as more women go into public office is, okay, wait a second. How are you going to do this? Because we never really talked about it before. We just did it. Yeah, right. And right. I think and I think that's really the differentiator is that now I think the questions are just coming forth because, you know, no, people are really curious about that balance because they aren't used to people being in office with as much on their, on their plates as we do, as we have. And it's not to say yeah. that male candidates that male don't have it on their plate. It's just that we haven't really talked about it before. Right, right. We're starting to talk about what's, what's being involved rather than pretending that there is, you know, we're just fine. We're just, we're just robots, really. Yeah. Right. So when you talk about that, you said a lot of interesting things about, 
you know, you're, when you speak at rallies, so I go to a lot of rallies too, and, you know, you're kind of preaching to the choir, right? You're saying, this is bad, and everyone claps, et cetera, and this is good, and everyone claps. But when you go as a candidate, they're not necessarily ready to clap for you, and they come with, you know, they do come with this this mind, like, you've got to convince us, and we're, we're looking for you to sell yourself, and, uh, that is a little bit weird as for a woman. Was that, was that, did that come naturally to you or did you have to sort of get advice or give yourself a talking to? How did that work? No, actually, um, it, it's something that I still struggle with. Um, yeah. you know, and I actually did have some feedback from, um, some local male candidates at one point, which really made me kind of reevaluate and, you know, kind of address that head on and because they said you know straight out I'm already voting for you you don't have to convince me like but you got to convince everybody else out there don't be afraid to let your light shine and and that and that was a differentiator for me because I realized that in order to win this which I fully intend to do I can't I, I can't let my victories go unheralded and no one is going to and no one's going to shout them out but me right so you can't just say look at the stuff I've done on my website if you're interested right you gotta go right so in a so in a practical way like what what were you shy about saying and what do you now come out and say more like can you sort of brag on yourself a little bit like you've encouraged yourself (laughs) to do right here Sure. Um, I I will say there's you know one one of the things is that I am the first person to you know stand up and run for the seat in 14 years. Um, no one has challenged my opponent. No one has stepped forward. Um, mm-hmm. There have been complaints for years, and somebody needed to be brave enough to do it. And that person was me. Um, in addition, I you know I have gone through a lot of things that the people in my district and other places throughout the state and the country have experienced, and they've made me a more in touch candidate. Um, I have parented a child all the way through the public school system, um, half of that time as a single parent. Mm-hmm. As a single parent, I also work full time, and balancing mm-hmm. that um, as yeah. you know, as somebody who is a you know, as somebody who's a member of the LGBT community. You know, mm-hmm. I've I've advocated and worked for those struggles. I have been on the um, planning board for showing up for racial justice in Worcester for three years, um, uh-huh. helping to organize around racial justice issues. I have been the president of um, a regional huddle group for over a year. Um, I have taken on leadership roles um, just about everywhere that I've gone. I've done, you know, volunteer work for the last 20 years in various places, including, you know, Habitat for Humanity, um, mm-hmm. you know, and all of that, and all of that balance and all of that work, um, I, you know, all of that work, I think there's a lot to that, which makes me a mm-hmm. really viable candidate. Um, yep. I think, you know, it's, there, there's a lot, there's a lot in terms of, you know, just doing the work. And I will say, yeah. I am a hard worker. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I am a quick study and I am fully vested in state politics, um, 
mm-hmm. in, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And I don't think that that can be said of a lot of people. Very nice job, Tanya. Very nice job. Um, one thing that I love that you did, and I, I know a candidate in our area um, running for state office who is doing the same thing, and I really admire two things. First of all, this candidate, like you, took on someone that had been in office a long time, in our case, someone extremely popular, uh, because she had some issues, and there were some issues out there, and she um, took him on. And I, I think that act, like you did, is really brave, and that a person that is brave enough to do that is going to be brave enough to do other things. And I don't think that, I think that um, braveness is, being brave is something that we really need more of. So I'm really glad that you call that out as a real plus for you. The second thing that you do so well is that you make your experience as a single parent something that is a is a great illustration of work ethic, ability to do a lot of stuff, number one, but also a connection with the voters in your area. And this other person uh, that I'm talking about who, who also is brave also has the same thing because that is not a normal candidate. I mean, yeah, it's a normal candidate. I mean, to say that. Normally, yeah. though, we say the, 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 yeah, the ideal candidate, you know, had a perfect family life. They were one of 12 kids and everything is great and now they also have like maybe six kids and they've been married forever etc but real people don't always live like that so i really love that you're calling out those two things as um real strengths because they are so good for you for doing that thank you yeah yeah i just just think it's important to to turn to to look at those things that other people may or may not, you know, see as weaknesses and try and figure out what the common thread is. And the common thread is no matter what, I will survive, I will persevere, and I will climb the mountain. Yep. And I'm like you, voter, too. You know, I have Mm -hmm. the same thing as you do, right? And I've shown that I can do it. Yeah. And it's the same thing with my voters who are in these circumstances. You know, I, I look at you know, it's easy to look, you know, to look at a piece of paper and, you know, a demographic of single moms. It's right. another thing when you look at that with, when you look at them with that, you know, actual connection and realization. I've been there. I understand what it is to come home bone tired and like you're trying to get dinner on the table at 8 p.m. while bouncing homework. Yep. I, I, I get that. <laughs> I understand what it's like not to be able to know if you're going to be able to pay the electric bill. There's no shame in that. And there's a victory every time you do pay that electric bill. There is a victory every time you do get that dinner on the table. And there, and it's not just a victory for me. It's a victory for all of us. Yep. You know, that's another great thing that you can say uniquely that some other candidates don't, that you understand that and that you're de-shaming something that's just so shamed but so quietly shamed so it, i could see that um i you know you must be a great candidate and one at least well one that can really whose life resonates with the people in her district so so tell me about the different kinds of speaking that you've done have you had candidate forums do you guys have debates out there what have been the 
the biggest opportunities for you to plead your case and what has been more challenging or best, better for you? Uh, to be honest, we have not had any. It's only a two-man race, um, and I'm running yeah. against an incumbent um, from the opposite party. So we haven't mm -hmm. had any debates or candidate forums as yet. I have basically been doing a lot of speeches and things at, um, at rallies to various town committees, at fundraisers, that kind of thing. Um, that's that's the bulk of the speaking that I've been doing at this point. Ah, now is it because so, there's a reluctance to have forums on somebody's part, or how? Just curious. I think I mean really I think it's because we don't have. A, I, I'm hoping that it's just because we don't have we haven't had a primary yet. Yeah. That we don't have a primary. That you know they you know we will be having forums and debates coming soon. We're also in kind of a unique um, geographic location in mm -hmm. that there really aren't any media outlets that service the entire district. Ah. So, so there, so we fall. Half of the district is, you know, Camden County, a little bit of Hampshire County, and then a, another chunk of the district district is in Worcester County. So we have three different media markets that we're appearing in, um, Hartford, Springfield, and um, Boston, Worcester. So wow. it's really, so in terms of getting straight candidate forums and that kind of thing, we just don't really have a lot of that fuel here, unfortunately. So then you have to work harder to sort of generate um, each opportunities and media coverage of them, is that right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And is that hard but, to do? Do you get chances to speak? How do you? How do you give us an example of some places that you've spoken recently? Um. Well, actually, I mean, part of it is that I will go anywhere to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, at a no nuke ban um treaty out in Northampton a few weeks ago, um, I went up to North Brookfield, which is also out of district for a candidate forum. Um. Uh, uh, Democratic Town Committee fundraiser a few weeks ago and the biggest thing for me is just going to places where I know there are going to be media outlets yeah, and getting yeah. my face my face in there getting my voice in there introducing yeah. myself to people and just being as vocal yeah. as possible and as outspoken as possible uh-huh great great and how about how does that compare? Do you do door to door? Is that a thing that you do in your district? I do door to door every day. <laughs> do you? Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, every every day after work and then every weekend. Um, yeah. That's a different challenge, and it's and I will say this: um, it is different doing it out here than it is in some of the more urban districts. Yeah. Um, yep. I I did so some I did some door knocking for a couple of candidates um, who are friends of mine out in um, the Natick Framingham area. Yeah. And, you know, with with those, it's very much more stick to the script. People are kind of on a timeline and uh, they, they want to get in and out. Yeah. Out here, you don't have to bring a bottle of water with you because in a canvas route of 20 houses, 
you're probably going to be invited in for some iced tea at least three times. Oh, <laughs> um, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's fabulous because, I mean, I don't, I don't go with a script as much as I say, okay, what's important to you? Yeah. Generally right. speaking, and I actually haven't encountered it once where there hasn't been one of their major issues that I haven't touched upon in oh, my okay. literature. Mm -hmm. And I can mm -hmm. just kind of at that point hand over my literature. But generally speaking, yep. I let them talk and I listen um, yep. more than I speak. And then once the opportunity presents itself, you know, when they lay out what their issues may, may be, uh -huh. I can come in with, okay, this is how I can help you. This is what yeah. I'm planning to do that will help solve your problem. Yeah. So it sounds like this is a satisfying experience for you. Some candidates have to get themselves psyched up, but you, you not so much. Do you really enjoy it? Or, I mean, you know, it's hard, but. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. It is, ah. it's extremely difficult for me to get out there. And actually, it's kind of funny because when I was younger, um, I used to, you know, I used to do a lot of acting and, you know, theater and things. And the thing that kind of kept me going through that was that it wasn't me speaking. It was this character speaking. Yeah. And I think when I go door to door, mm -hmm. what gets me through is that I, you know, take a deep breath and I'm like, okay, this character has to go out. Yeah. This character just <laughs> has to be me with a little thicker skin. Yes, you know? that is so great, Tanya. Yeah, you play a braver version of yourself or somebody else. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, because, I mean, you know, I, I live in a, I'm running as a Democrat and I live in a very conservative district. And oh. I'm, you know, not only, not only a woman, but I'm also um, a lesbian woman of color. So, you know, having me go up to a door in a, you know, in a conservative district, it can, it, it can be a little intimidating, you know, yeah. not knowing what I'm going to face on the other side. But the bottom right. line is, you know, no matter who we are, no matter what party we're affiliated with, we all want to make sure that our moms can go to the doctors and that our kids can go to good schools. You know, and that's really the thread that binds all of us. And you just have to strip out any preconceived notion of the door you're going up to and yeah. what they, what they, you know, what the, what they have in their driveway or, you know, making any assumptions based on, yeah. you know, any yeah. house or lawn decor. And just remember, yeah. everybody wants their kids in a good school. Everyone wants to be healthy. Nobody wants yep. to pay outrageous income taxes. You know, yep. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. That's what we all want. You know, yep. I had one voter who I went to her house and, you know, she's like, well, I'm not really political. Uh -huh. And I said, well, okay, tell me what you do care about. Mm -hmm. And she's like, honestly, all I care about is my, you know, family, hanging out with my family and friends and watching Netflix and, you know, my business. Mm -hmm. So, okay, you know, well, here's how legislation impacts all of that. You know, yeah. here's how, you know, here's how increasing the minimum wage can impact your business. Here's how, 
you know, labor laws can impact your business. Here's how, you know, here's how net neutrality can impact your Netflix with your friends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, bottom line, it's these common threads as humans because all politics is personal. And yeah. I don't look at it, I don't look at it and, you know, I try my best not to look at it as, you know, knocking on doors in a political way so much yeah. as meeting my neighbors because that's all it is, is meeting my neighbors. That is a really nice way to put it. Really nice way to put it. Yep. Thank you. Meeting your neighbors. Yep. And I love how you, I've done a lot of canvassing for people. And if somebody said they're not political, I would just say, okay, all right, have a nice day. But I love that. Well, what do you care about? That is really great. So that you, you you take advantage of that opportunity in front of you. Very yeah, nice. and I and I know that you know the tra- the traditional you know campaign thought is, well then that's not a voter you can, that's not a voter yeah. you can count on or you know skip that door, but my mm-hmm. thought is, you know quite frankly, no matter what happens in any election, if mm-hmm. I'm canvassing whether it's for myself or someone else, the most important thing is that everybody understands that they have a voice and everyone feels heard. A lot of the reason that a lot of voters don't engage and don't become politically active is because they don't think that their voice makes a difference. Right. And it makes a right. huge difference to have somebody show up at their house and ask them directly what they care yeah. about because then they yeah. know somebody's listening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the person who's a little more likely to vote and a little more, more likely to vote for you. So good mm-hmm. on you. So, Tanya, our time is just about up. It's been awesome talking to you. I would love to talk to you more because I think you you have such a great perspective. And also, thanks for saying that you naturally uh, an introvert. Many, you know, I've talked to many people about door knocking, and it is a little, everybody has their own little thing that they do, and I love yours, that you're a character, because I do that same thing when I'm canvassing. I say, um, I'm Kathy the canvasser. I'm not exactly me. I'm like a more constant person. So I, I love that. Uh, and if people want to learn more about you, Tanya, tell us your website. It's www.tanya, T-A-N-Y-A, for F-O-R, statereporg Great. And when is the election in your area? Uh, we we actually the primary is September fourth. Um, it's not yep. a contested primary, um, so yep. you actually have until November to vote for me. <laughs> um, but right, know, okay. We, yep. But I will say, regardless, if you live in my district, I hope that you will get out to the polls in September anyway, because we have a lot of important contested races on the primary ballot. Just because yep. mine isn't one of them doesn't mean that it's not important to get out there. Right, right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tanya, for talking to us. And it's great that you have a nice long campaign season because around here they're shortened because it's all about the primary for us. So best of luck to you and we'll be watching your race. Thank you so much, Kathy. Hey, everybody. Well, we wish Tanya Nesluson the best of luck when voting comes around in the first week of November, November 6th. And I hope that you all vote wherever you are. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about the podcast 
or my organization, Women Speak Up, which provides training and coaching for women who want to be better speakers, please go to my website, womenspeakup.org. And remember, ladies, take the mic.